You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Genesis chapter 2, 7. Man was first made just a body, just like we have the animals. And that body has instincts. Okay, those in- instincts are just natural. Just the same way you step on a dog, it will cry and run away if he's afraid of you. Or it will turn and bite you if he's not afraid of you. Those are instincts. There is nothing there to it. It's just the way it's configured in its DNA. Praise the Lord. Then we saw that the second part was that God gave us something. That was beyond what the animals had. It was the zoe of God. It was the life of God. That's the part of it that says, let us make man in our image. Praise the Lord. So in a sense, we are made in the image of God. But God is not flesh and blood. Praise the Lord. Animals are flesh and blood. We are flesh and blood. And we learned that we and the, um, I think it's the gorillas, we have 997 you know, similarities in our DNA, okay? And then there was the last part that was put there, man became a living being. That's the soul. And we learned that that is the part of us that is really us. So as we go on, we're going to see that the soul and the spirit are connected and in several, several places in the Bible that are used interchangeably. Praise the Lord. However, the key thing, while we're learning this, is so that we can be like a good surgeon, okay? That whatever situation is we're facing, we know where the problem is and we know how to divide and address. Because if we're not able to divide and address, it's going to be more complicated. Praise the Lord. So we know that this problem is coming and it's coming to my spirit or to my soul or to my body. How many of us play draft? Okay, if you didn't play draft, you play, you're playing chess, right? Now, in chess, what do you do? You give the person something to chop, Abby. Now, as we are going to start or continue in this study, I can go to the conclusion before I begin. You find out that the body is given to us to operate on earth. Our Lord Jesus Christ, speaking in Hebrew, says, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have what? Given to me. The truth is that this body is what we should continually be giving. Let them be chopping it. Let my soul and spirit be what? Be sorry. Praise the Lord. Did we get that? <laughs> I said, should I repeat that? This body is for the earth, Abby. How long will the earth remain? It says, heaven and earth shall what? Pass away, but not a jot or tittle of my word. So you're going to outlive the earth. Now, woe betide anyone whose soul perishes with his body. That's what I'm trying to say. Long after the earth has collapsed, you remain. Okay? But the question will be, did you drop your soul down to the level of your body or did you lift your soul down to the level of your spirit? If you did, then what you have received is eternal life in God. But if you didn't, what you have is eternal damnation. That will not be the portion of anyone in Jesus' name. Praise God. Okay, so like we've already said, we we want to get wisdom. We want to get understanding. In Colossians 1.9, the Apostle Paul speaking, he says, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, heard of your faith, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This is what we are trying to have in this period, to have wisdom and spiritual understanding. So when you speak to me, we said on Sunday, part of what we said on Sunday, is that our Lord Jesus expected and saw to it that when he spoke to his people, to us, his disciples, his children, we will know who he's speaking to. When he did a miracle, we will know the purpose of this miracle. At a point, remember, he said to them, he said, you people seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were fed. So he was saying to them, the miracles I did were not primarily to feed your body. It was to elevate your soul, to connect to the spirit. Praise the Lord. So the miracles he was doing was to tell them that God, your creator, God, the maker of man, is interested in man. He's a good God. Let me hear somebody say he's a good God. 
remember the first temptation and the temptation that our first parents fell to was that God wasn't good. Okay, that God wasn't good. But our Lord Jesus Christ, part of his assignment on earth, remember the Bible says in him, you know, the Godhead dwelt what? In bodily form. So when our Lord Jesus Christ was on earth, he was a representative of God. So as people interacted with him, they knew this was how God was. So when the little children came to him and the disciples said, God is too busy to address you. What did he say? He said, do not hinder these little ones from coming to me. He was saying, just like the Bible says, that the kingdom of God is for such. So he demonstrated that when he saw the weak, he had compassion on them. When he saw the sick, he healed them. When he saw those that were abandoned and outcast, he received them. He was showing us this is who God is like. Praise the Lord. But when he did his miracles, he, were, he was doing them just like John told us, to be signs, to teach us. So he fed the multitude with five loaves and two fish. Not so that he will become a bakery, Jesus Bakery International, no. But that this, this man will know that God is able to do that. Now, if I know you are able to do something and you don't do it for me all the time, what will it now be? It will be a matter of your will. That means there is a thought, there is a plan. Praise the Lord. But these people, the next day when they came to look for Jesus, they did not come for any other thing. They came for bread. And when he began to teach them, and now say to them, now you ate the loaves, that's fine. But I want you to understand that now you have to eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. If you don't do that, you won't have life. Remember what happened at that time. When he taught them, all of them turned and what? And left. Praise the Lord. They turned and left. Why? Because they could not go beyond having bread for their body and having life for their soul. May we go higher in Jesus' name. So he's talking about all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That is what will help us. Verse 10 says, that's what is going to help us to walk worthy of the Lord. Praise Jesus. So we also, you know, touch on the fact that the prosperity, as we understand the three of me now, we see that the prosperity of one may not necessarily be seen in the prosperity of the others. Okay? And that is very clear. We reminded ourselves of the richest man, so-called richest man in the world now. Elon Musk, the man, if we want to use the, the, read, the wealth of a man, where is it? We can attach it to his body, right? So we can say he's the wealthiest body on earth. But you can see his soul is very lean. Why? Because he's saying he is joining to hell and is looking forward to meeting many people there. Now, you don't want to go on that journey with him, do you? Praise the Lord. So even though physically, materially, like that may be a better word, he is the most to be envied man. But you can see that when you look at the other part of him, he is the most miserable. What is that doing now? We are understanding anatomy of me. Okay? So as we get that understanding, it will help our decision making. It will help our judgments and the different things we see. So we also saw that that is why the Bible said to us in First Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. That's why that scripture where it says, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved, what? Blameless. The goal of God is not that all of them will become, you know, uh, uh, whatever it is. But it says that they be blameless. So my goal is the blamelessness. You cannot fault me here. You cannot fault me here. You cannot fault me here. Okay? It means, just like we started, that in the course of life, I may have to allow my body to be broken. Remember, we are following Jesus. Now, what did our Lord Jesus Christ do? He said, unless, unless a grain of seed falls into the ground and dies. Now, thank you, Holy Spirit. Even biologically now, when you take a seed and plant it, you know what happened? That body, what was the name again? Uh, the, the outer body. Until it's broken down, no new life comes. It's the same way. Okay, so our Lord Jesus showed us a pattern that when the body is broken, something comes out of it. So our goal is not to preserve the body and to make it so prosperous. No, our goal is to keep it blameless so that the soul and spirit can fulfill their purpose. Is someone with me? Praise Jesus. Okay, and that is why also the prayer in Third John 2 had a qualifier. He says, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health just as your soul 
Can somebody picture the implication of that prayer? The implication of that prayer is that I want you to be in health. I want you to be a billionaire. I want you to be all of that. I want you to have all of that. But never at the cost of your soul prosperity. Are you getting it now? Never. He's saying just as your soul. So if this is going to cost your soul prosperity, better step back and do what? Say let it go. Okay? And that's why the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. It says for many... Many seeking it. What has happened? They have had their consciences said. So these many, in pursuit of the prosperity of material things, have had their souls compromised. Isn't the Bible wonderful? Can we just appreciate the Lord for understanding and clarity? Very simple. Okay, so God is not against that. If he pleases him, someone like David, he gave him prosperity of spirit, prosperity of soul, and prosperity of body. He gave the same thing to his son. He gave him prosperity of spirit, prosperity of soul, prosperity of body. But you saw that along the line, the prosperity of his body led to what? The poverty of his spirit. And he became an idol worshiper. Praise God. So we also looked at uh, Matthew 10, 28 to 31, where Lord Jesus was now speaking to us in the same emphasizes the same thing. He said, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. So this body and soul belongs to the same person. So you're faced with a situation and this is the choice to be made. He said, don't be afraid. This is God speaking. Jesus has all power. Okay? Praise the Lord. He didn't say to you here that whenever you face a situation where there's possibility of killing the body and soul, call on my name and I'll deliver your body. Is that what he said? Praise the Lord. Because if he said that, it won't be altogether true. Why? Because John the Baptist, remember, was in prison and was saying, Go and call him here. Go and bring him. Doesn't he know we are here? Is he no longer the one, or should we look for another? And while John was in prison, what happened? They beheaded him. But what was Jesus' testimony? He says, Of all that were born of women, what? There is none born greater than John. The Baptist. And he went further and said the least in the kingdom. So he was saying that there is a part of John that cannot be beheaded. Praise the Lord. There is a testimony he has that cannot be touched by Herod. So that's what it, we, are, we are learning in this season. So we are able to get it. Isaiah 8, 12 and 13. Just emphasizing the same thing. Okay, before we go to Isaiah 8. Sorry, just go back to the Matthew 10, 28. It says, but rather fear him who is able to destroy what? Body soul both soul and body in hell rather fear him who is able to destroy now that fear that we are talking about here now is not a fear that causes you to cringe it's not a fear that makes you paralyzed it's a fear of direction that's part of the answer to the question our brother asked how do i continually choose what is right i choose what is right because the bible says the fear of the lord is what the beginning of wisdom this is the fear the holy spirit is talking about here this is the fear jesus was teaching them he said because you know why under pressure we make decisions because i'm afraid my children will be sent out of school i'm afraid this is going to happen i'm afraid i'm going to lose my friends i'm afraid i will not be in the class that i used to be okay they said it's all right consider that fear but let me show you a greater fear because we are in a world now, we are all in, in Nigeria, okay? So you've seen the man who stole 80 billion. Now, why would a man steal that kind of money? First of all, for one of the things he's going to do is that he's going to make sure he sends his children to the most expensive schools, isn't it? Now, let me tell you, it's better they send my children out of school for not paying school fees than that I use stolen money to send them to school. That's what this passage is saying. You know why? Because when they send them out of school for not paying school fees, this passage that says, are not two sparrows sold for a farden, okay, for a, a copper coin. And your heavenly father, I say, not one falls to the ground without your heavenly father's permission. When the righteous suffers, God is not mindful of it. Is someone hearing me? That is why he's saying that. God is mindful of the tribulation and the trials and the difficulties that the righteous go through. 
It's not accidental. That's what he's trying to say. He says, are not two. Why he said are not two sold for a copper coin? Because they're too cheap to be sold one. This is so, the value is so low that they have to put it together. And he's saying, your heavenly father is so intentional that not one will fall to the ground without his permission being sought. So he's saying to the righteous, in your moment of trial, don't imagine you're forsaken. For God never forsakes his own. He said, he has said, I will never leave you, nor what? Nor forsake you. Praise God. So we settle that. Now the reverse we are talking about is where men now compromise and do all kinds of things. To secure a future, a good life. When you do that, you're not wise. You don't fear God. What it means is that you fear circumstances. You're fearing the wrong thing because you're afraid of something that can safeguard your body. But you're not afraid of the one that can safeguard your soul. You're not mindful. Praise God. So the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. When we put the fear of God before us, we will continually make right choices. It may not be convenient choices, but it will be right choices. Praise the Lord. Okay, Isaiah 8, 12 and 13, just retreating the same thing here. It says, do not say conspiracy concerning all that those people call a conspiracy. Nor be afraid of their threats. Nor be troubled. The Lord of hosts, him what you shall hallow. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Do not say conspiracy. So, in essence, for the Christian, bad news is not what everybody calls bad news. Or the intensity of the bad or the badness of the news is not dependent on the way the normal person interprets it. The Christian interprets it differently. Like I gave us the illustration. Sadly and unfortunately, our sister, you know, our young sister, Deborah, was stoned to death. And I'm happy that in that stoning, she didn't say anything wrong. She just said to them, he said, what will you gain by this? That was critical for me. Because it shows this person had to a large extent the spirit of God. What will you gain by this? Her mouth didn't open and she started cursing and doing all kinds of things. It shows a bit to the state of her spirit. We also know Leah Sharibu who refused to, you know, deny Jesus and is in captivity now. Now, all these people are saying something. They are saying that they are not as afraid of man as, or rather, they do not put man in the pedestal, they put God. Praise the Lord. They have a relationship with God that they are honoring, they are keeping ahead. It is so key because that is the wisdom we are talking about. If we don't settle that, and I pray that every church in Nigeria will be able to raise disciples that have that understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. Because it's key. He said, don't call it conspiracy what this will call a conspiracy. So that happens, but in the same environment, we have people who are into fornication, adultery, Terrible things. And it doesn't move anybody. Whereas, you know, on the other one, the church is saying that, you know, persecuting us. On the other one, when people expose, they say, leave them, you know, touch not the, the anointed of whoever. Now, what it means is that they don't know where problem is. You understand? The persecution of the church is settled. Do you understand? Our Lord Jesus Christ says, if you call me Lord and Master, and that I am, you see, and they've called me Beelzebub. They've did the, done these things to me. Are you greater than me? Praise God. So if they persecuted Jesus, who are we? That they won't persecute us? As long as you don't understand some of these things, you're going to just, you know, you, your brain will tear because the things that, are, that you hear and see will be heartbreaking. But you see, this is said in the Bible, they're going to persecute us. From time, from time in memory. You understand? The children of the flesh have persecuted the children of the spirit. Praise God. Isaac, the son of promise, was persecuted. Okay? So this is established. It shouldn't make us shake. What we should learn from it is, okay, this is possible. This is possible. This is possible. What is our own assignment? And that is where we are going to. Our own assignment is this. You and I must decide. That rather, I would rather have, we're not going to choose opposition. We're not going to say we run and we are looking for trouble. That would be, be tempting the Lord. Remember when Satan said to our Lord Jesus Christ, jump from the mountain. Okay, jump from this pinnacle because the Lord says what? I'll give my angels charge over you. He said, the Bible says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. 
So we're not learning this thing so that we can look for trouble. We see our Muslim brothers and we can start insulting whoever they know. We, we don't do that. We're going to be respectful, bear the fruit of the spirit. But if something like that comes, the lesson there is this. I would rather have the devil in opposition to me. I'd rather have the devil persecute me. I'd rather have the devil do whatever he wants to do than for me to partner with the devil, than for me to pacify the devil, than for me to collaborate with the devil. And I'm going to give you a scriptural illustration so you understand what I'm talking about. Praise God. Joseph in the Bible was in Potiphar's house as a houseboy, a slave. And Joseph was here and the Bible said his master's wife desired him. And continue to trouble him. And continue to, you know, make advances at Joseph. Finally, you know, can you put Genesis 39, maybe verse 9, exactly now. Finally, she had an opportunity that was an opportunity of opportunities. Let's start from 7. So. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house and he's committed all that he has to my hand there is no one greater in this house than i nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife how can i read that last part for me how then can i what do this great wickedness and sin against god the question i want to ask is this how did god come into the conversation very simple the way God came into this conversation is this. If Joseph had said, how can I do this wickedness against Potiphar? Potiphar's wife was in a position to assure him that Potiphar wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't know. Okay, that's one way. Or that, don't mind Potiphar. You know, he does his own. You know, he, she could have brought up any form of argument which Joseph would not be able to counter. Okay. But when Joseph said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He was saying something. He was saying, Joseph is not at the level of the other servants here. Maybe you have many of them you're doing this nonsense with. But Joseph's primary fear and focus is not man. It is God I'm looking to. Now, the decision before Joseph there was very clear. If you don't agree, just like somebody listening to me, many of us here, are in positions where the threat is either you compromise or you enter trouble. And sometimes the troubles are spelt out. A young lady, you're in the office, you're doing your best, and the man tells you in this office, shows you their names. Every, every of these people that passed this level, they did what I'm asking you to do. The option is open to you. Either you compromise or you suffer. Why we're learning this is this. So that you can smilingly tell him, if it is within your power, that's your business. But I fear God and God what? Only. Joseph said, I cannot do this against God. Why? The consequences I'm considering are not the consequences that will come from Potiphar. Are you with me? They are not Potiphar's consequences. It's not whether I'll retain my job. It's not whether I'll get the contract. It's not whether they'll give me the supply. It's not whether I will, you know, get the promotion. Those are too little. You can sack me, you can demote me. But the consequence I'm bothered about is whether God will, will be pleased. Now, how does that apply to what we are learning? It applies to what we are learning because at that point, what Joseph was saying is this, I give my body. Putting it with what we learned, we, we read in Matthew 10, 28. I give my body. Potiphar was saying... Joseph was saying, Potiphar may kill this body because I know you're going to frame me. I've told us here, if any of us, God forbid, becomes naked, we won't move. We'll just hide. Won't cover. But for him to run out there, he was declaring, he was drawing the battle line. But what was his understanding? He knew that the worst these people could do was on his body. Are you with me? It was his body that was in trouble. But his soul was being set free. That's the decision. His body was going to be in trouble. No doubt about that. But his soul was going to be set free. And the woman knew and she carried out her plan. And just to the letter, maybe, uh, maybe Joseph's first belief would be that Potiphar would know that I can't do such a thing. But he saw it and his body was subdued. The Bible says he was put in stocks. That means he was put in not ordinary prison. He was put in prison with, you know, handcuffs and leg bands. 
That's how much he was punished. But at that point, Joseph had aligned with the scripture that we saw in Matthew 10, which was he did not fear the one that was what? Able to kill the body and not touch the soul. So the next question is this. What then happens? You know, I am amused each time I hear people teaching about Joseph. And they teach sleep and wake up and become prime minister. I say you're deceiving people. And that's what most people teach. They say favor. It's not favor that lifted him. It's process. Are you with me? It's process. It was scientific. Joseph understood, if I take this step, my body is gone. They didn't give us all the details. They would have beaten him. They would have made nonsense of him. But at each point, he knew that this thing, this body, is being beaten. But my soul is free. That's Christianity. Any man, any woman who does not understand this demarcation cannot prosper as a Christian, cannot add value. You will just be a waste because when it comes to the moment to act, when they put the choices before you, you'll be shaken. You say, ah, they go kill me. The truth is this. If they kill someone for taking a righteous stand, it's not an honorable death. People die from, you know, all kinds of things. Or car that will run over somebody. You know, uh, car will... People will still die. Is it not honorable to die for something that is worthwhile? And besides, what, I, what is the person living when he sells his body? Sorry, when he sells his soul to preserve his body. What kind of life is that going to be? So, Joseph wasn't just favored. No, he was an example for us how this thing works. Pastor, how are you sure of what you're saying? Let me show you. Remember on Sunday we ended, uh, the theme was what? The mind of Christ subset. Come with me to Philippians 2 from verse 5. The Bible says, let this word, mind be in you, which was also in. So on Sunday we saw that we have the mind of Christ. Let's see what the mind is like. It says, this mind made Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. Okay? Being found in appearance as a man, what did he do? He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of what? Even the death of the cross. Shameful death. For what? Did he commit any offense? Okay? He did all of that because that was the path that the father has said you have to travel. Okay? Now, verse 9. Brings a word. The first word there is what? Therefore. For the believer, you must live your life waiting for the therefore. You live your life waiting for what? The therefore. The therefore is when heaven stamps his approval and says, this man followed my plan. That's what it's about. It's not luck. It's not chance. No. It's not a next day miracle. It's a pattern. Go and read the story of David. The same thing. It's a pattern. When Esther, they were going to do for Esther, it was a pattern also. What did she say? I go to the king. If I perish, I what? Perish. Therefore, God raised. It's a pattern. The people that God will do must learn to say, I fear God only. Why? Because I know that if my body be destroyed, my soul will be quickened. My soul will be raised. When you do that, you position yourself for uncommon divine, you know, blessings, divine interventions. It's the pattern of the scriptures. When Daniel and his three friends were brought into Babylon and brought into the school of the, the, school of the emperor. And they were told, we're going to train you and we're going to school you in the wisdom of the Babylonians. And after three years, we're going to test and see the best. When Daniel said, you know, with his friends, we will not defile ourselves with the king's delicacy. What were they saying? They were saying, we will not feed this body. Because each time they ate the king's delicacy, they'll be defiling their souls. It will be good for their body. That food wasn't bad for their body, for your information. Whatever food they were getting. Babylon was bigger than America then. Babylon ran the whole world. Do you understand? So the food their royalty ate, must be the type of food that maybe if I've been eating it, I'll be looking like an 18-year-old boy now. That food must have been good for what? The body. But it was bad for the soul. And Daniel called it defilement. And because Daniel called it defilement, the Bible says God made him 
How many times? Ten times better. Each time I think about that story, I never fail to refer to the fact that Daniel knew Babylonian language more than the native born. It's like a Chinese man now coming to your village, coming to mine, coming to Onicha now, and then speaking Onicha better than you. It takes an anointing. Do you get what I'm saying? But it's a pattern. As long as you can give up this body, separate it, what, who is benefiting from this? And we can progress this to, you know, some other levels of issues of pride. The reason many of us are quarreling where we're quarreling now is issues of pride. Husband and wife, the matter is pride. Pride, who will apologize? Who is wrong? Who is this? Who is that? Okay? The more you're doing that, the more you're hurting. But if you will just take that pride, like we said, we say pride is the most difficult medicine to swallow, right? If you just swallow it, Peace comes. But you see, you need to understand the anatomy, body, soul, and spirit. Once you swallow it, they, you might look like the fool. But what has happened is that in the spirit, they call you wise. Praise the Lord. Why? Because the Bible says the wisdom that is from above is peaceable. Willing to yield. The wisdom that is from above is not bringing out 15 points. It's not a senior advocate. The wisdom that is from above yields. And then God backs up. Let me say the therefore of God. If you don't learn anything here, there is a therefore of God. That's what lifted Joseph. It wasn't overnight favor. Let nobody deceive anybody. It was not. It says he was in stocks and the word of the Lord tested him until his word came to pass. It was a process. It wasn't an accident. Praise the Lord somebody. Okay, so the, these are some of the things we begin to enter into, the wisdom we begin to get. So I'm in my office, I'm working, and you know, a situation comes up. I just ask myself, what is at stake here? Provided this thing is not going to cost me my soul. If it's my body, let it go under. Maybe a little patience. You know, maybe you have a boss. Somebody may be watching, you have a boss that never acknowledges you. You're doing everything, the boss takes glory. And you know this boss doesn't know a eh? What, how do they say? He doesn't know Jack. Don't worry. Praise the Lord. Because you see, in the record of God, there is no cheating. For every labor, there is what? Profit. So if you're working in, uh, let, let's say, NMPC or wherever, and your boss is taking the glory from you in that NMPC, just keep doing what you're doing. You might be losing your promotion, but in the record of heaven, your soul is going hard. And at a point in time, they are going to pay you for everything you want. It may not be in the same organization. Most likely it may be. But that record is there. But if you use because it's taking credit. And then now go and bring out your pride also and start behaving. What you do is that you diminish the therefore that can come on your behalf. Is someone getting what I'm saying? Okay. So, so spirit, soul, and body. So I'm not just only me. Okay. It's not just only me. There are, there are three of me. So I'm ready at every point in time to allow the body to go down. So that my spirit and my soul can soar. Praise the Lord. Okay. So looking at this, you should easily conclude or know that it's not a smooth journey. Isn't it? To get it right. It's not a smooth journey. But what do we expect? I, I take this illustration and we see something from there. Um, okay. Let's read this passage before we do that. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. It just captures this. And what I'm trying to say is that obedience is always costly. The right thing, you know, I'd always wondered, why isn't the right thing always the easiest thing? Anybody thought about that? Why is it always a bit tough? You know, I've, I've told you my experience here. My first experience, you know, when you're young, as you grow in academics, there's a level of academics where you don't need to do your study. You just listen to the teacher and you pass. Okay? There's a level where... If you just go through the ex exercises, read, you know, read your notes, you pass. Okay? Now, the professors have to, no, doctors have to write books. That's, they have to become their own lecturer. That's, they have to take a topic. They are not just being taught now. Abby? They research and they, <laughs> I, I see how it's changing. Now, so in, in my life, there was a time when, when I did my first, um, my wire can jam, you know, I was reading my mathematics. I'll just take it. I understood it, so I read through. I read through. And when I read through, I passed. Okay? But my passing was base level. When I didn't get into school that first time, I now did something different. I bought the textbook. 
and I didn't read through. I took the exercises. Exercise 1, I saw from 1 to 20. Exercise 2, I saw from 1 to 20. Exercise 3, I did that from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. When I got into the exam hall, it was one hour that was given. Believe you me, I finished in 20 minutes. Because every question I looked at, I didn't have to. My brain was already, you know how your brain is just, because I have so solved it. I've taken the bite. Are you with me? Now, it's the same thing with obedience. When you get so sold out that you're not expecting easy. You see, the first one I did, if it's a principle, quadratic equation, this and this. But they twist it and twist it and twist it. Now, for you to score 100 in any subject, even if it's government or that's the cheapest cost then those days, there is an extra price you need to pay. Is someone listening to me? So the same thing in the scriptures. This is what our Lord Jesus Christ says. He says, enter by the narrow gate. This is the lover of our soul. Jesus is love. It's not Pastor Ikena that is a hard teacher. What does this say? Enter what? For wide is the gate and broad is the way that what? And there are many who what? Who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and what? Difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few that find it. That's it. It's as simple as that. So it's, it's difficult. Yes, it's the right way. It's easy. Most likely, it's not the right way. And it shouldn't be such a problem for us. You know why? Mention any outlet that is a prize winner. And tell me his lifestyle. Recently, we had um, um, Moni Mayweather visit Nigeria. Do you know his exercise regime? When um, I read about Tyson... They said Tyson used to wake up every morning, either by 3.30 a.m. or 4, 4, and jogs, you know, runs miles for two hours. And then does his uh, crunches, whether he did a thousand. Now, you see, all those people, you know what they're doing? They're trading the body for success that is perishable. There is no success anywhere that doesn't have a prize. None. Is it footballers? What, what's uh, the, the, this man's name? Um, Ronaldo, have you read how he trains? Is it a basketballer? Um, was it, is it uh, Jordan or who? He says he makes, before daybreak or before, how did he say it? He makes, he tries about a thousand shots from the three-point point. So when it comes to the match that is 80 minutes and does what he does, you're shouting, I'm a fan of him. Keep being a fan of him. If you don't put your body under, you'll just be fan. The Bible captured this. This is what the Bible says. So, so read First Corinthians 9, 24, 25. It said, do you know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. 25 says, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, and he says what? They do it to obtain a perishable crown, but with an imperishable crown. I'm even going too far. Look at politicians. See the price, see the price they pay. Somebody said they're not eating corn this period because Peter B is in the game. He has taken it hard and eating corn. By now, you would have seen them leave their this thing. They're eating corn. They're carrying babies in the market. What are they doing? They're doing it to obtain something. They're going against their wishes. They're not doing what they want to do. They're doing what will win the votes for them. It's talking about an athlete. It says no one who competes in a prize. Just goes about it anyhow. They control themselves. Do you know? Okay, okay, yes, thank you. They go and employ a man and sign with this man, discipline me. That's what they agree with their coaches. And he's the billionaire, he's the star, but he pays somebody to discipline him. You know why? He knows if that discipline is not there, he cannot win the prize. It's what we are learning. The body has to be disciplined. The goal is let my spirit and soul what? So, so I don't give it room. I don't give it space. So the last verse 27 says, what do I do? The apostle Paul said, what do I do? He says what? I discipline my body. I bring it what? Into subjection. This is what he's doing. He's not disciplining his spirit. He's allowing the spirit to soar. But he's disciplining the body. Putting it under. Okay? Praise the Lord somebody. I, I want to give us two very extreme illustrations in the bible that will capture this and um i pray that the holy spirit will give us understanding in jesus name but just 
what we are learning is the, div- the division, the separation and how it works and how it can be beneficial. The, the first one I want to give us is concerning the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians uh, 12 from verse 7. The Apostle Paul is a man that um, had an uncommon experience, uncommon experience in this our faith. Number one, his conversion wasn't that any of us preached to him. Nobody preached to him. The Lord Jesus witnessed to him directly, right? And after he started serving the Lord, he also had some privileges that many of the other apostles didn't have. And one of those privileges was the visions that the Lord showed him. Took him to heaven, showed him things which according to Paul, he says, he was not even permitted to write for us. That's how privileged he was. But you know what? They had so lifted his spirit that the love of God said, we have to help this man. Let's read scripture. 12.7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be what? So spirit, soul, and body, his spirit had experienced things that you and I are not even permitted to hear. They said if they leave Paul, he'll be walking on chairs. You see all of you, kneel down. You see all those pastors that say people, kneel down, let me walk on you. Paul would have had the right to do that. Maybe he would have even do, done that. The anointing was too much. Do you understand? They brought him in and showed him things that was not lawful for him to say. So his spirit was so lifted. The wisdom of God said, we can't let this man go like that. Let's remind him he's still a man. So the Bible says, a messenger of Satan was what? Given to buffet him, to remind him, to balance him out. So he doesn't go too high. Praise the Lord. Was given to him. Continue verse 8. He said, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord what? Three times that he might depart from me. But what did the Lord say to him? He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So he says now, therefore most gladly I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am what? He's saying something to you here. When you face some situations, ask yourself, what is going on here? Now I'm sure, I'm almost sure in case somebody's asking. There is nothing you're going through here that is because of you've not gone to heaven before. So you haven't had the abundance of revelation the apostle Paul had. But the point there is this. Heaven said his flesh, let us humble him there. Lest he be exalted above measure. Separating spirit, soul, and body. Separation. I'll show you another one. The second one is in 1 Corinthians 5. It's about church discipline or rather church conduct. And what happened in this case is that there were cases of immorality in the church. I'll read from verse 1. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles. That a man has his father's wife. And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this might be taken away from among you. For I indeed as absent in the body but present in spirit have already judged. As though I were present, him who has so done this deed. He's talking about church discipline. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Five, let's read five together. Deliver such a one to... Hold on, hold on. Who is saying this? The elders of hell. This Apostle Paul. This is... And who is he saying it to? To the church. So the church can deliver someone to Satan. That's why I see. Praise God. The teachers that you appreciate most now, from your secondary school, primary school, and university, were they those that allowed you to do anything? The toughest ones are more appreciated. He said they had delivered such a one to Satan. Why? He said for the destruction of his flesh. That's what we, the body must be allowed to go. As if God doesn't place a demand, let us be cruising. Do you understand? But if you sense there is need, he said, this person, if you deliver, if you deliver his body to Satan, what is going to happen? The flesh will be destroyed, but his spirit will be saved 
in the day of our Lord Jesus. That's anatomy. That is surgery. That is like the doctor cutting off a part that is, you know, is because of diabetes or whatever thing, is now about to infect the rest of the body. This is what the church should be doing, not covering up. So in those days, someone commits, a, you know, not even just adult fornication. We call it out in front of the church, announce brother this. The number one thing that will happen is that that brother will know that everybody knows he has what? Done this thing. Now, he will not ask the devil, what benefit did I even get from that thing I did? When he weighs it and weighs the cost, what is costing him? If he sees another temptation, he knows how to run away, isn't it? But when somebody does things like that, and what we say in church now is that, he who has no sin, let him cast the first stone. Yeah, the grace of God. We, we do all, the, all, all, the, all of those foolish things. You know what we do? We pamper the flesh, but the spirit is dying. Because we don't understand the anatomy. Deliver such a one to Satan. Satan couldn't touch his spirit. So the flesh is buffeted. But the spirit is quickened. He all of a sudden realizes I'm his son. He realizes this is not where I belong. Praise the Lord somebody. So tonight, God's grace is abounding towards us. Amen. God's grace is abounding so that we will go from here. Knowing the different parts and knowing how to trade them. I had wanted us to deal with some sins of the you know, soul. There are levels that we haven't touched. You know, where we look at a, someone like Satan. You know, Satan is not body now. He doesn't have body. Satan doesn't have soul, does he? He's a spirit. But he sinned. There are sins at that level. And that is a sin of pride or idolatry. It's... Um, in Isaiah 14, you can put it on the screen for us, please. Isaiah 14, 12. Is the sin of ambition and vision, of desire, from 12. How you are falling from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. 13. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. He says, yet, what will happen? He shall be brought down to shore, to the lowest parts. What is happening here? Let's read the last one, 15. He says, those who see will gaze at thee and consider, saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? What I want us to see here is this. This is where we have problems, not because we have problems. We have problems because of dreams and you know ambitions that are not originating from the secret place with god the truth is this a lot of the problems many people are having eh, is not in your assignment is in your greed is in your desires satan what does the bible call him beautiful cherub anointed put with all kinds of beautiful things around him. but it wasn't enough for him he looked at god he said i can be god my mate I can also attend there. Contentment. Let me say contentment. The church hasn't understood contentment. Contentment, being satisfied with what God has said you are, where God has placed you for the time. Remember, we mentioned therefore. It says, therefore, what has happened? God has highly exalted. That thing of every time believers gather, you're telling them to push, push. You know, there's somebody, every time you listen to him, he'll be telling those who have uh, uh, cars, they will soon have planes. Those who have planes, they'll soon have this. Those who are uh, uh, legislators, they'll soon be governors. Those who are governors, they'll soon be president. What you're just doing is fueling ambition. You're not challenging to purpose. You're just fueling ambition. You're not challenging. You're not challenging to fulfill purpose. So they are just ambitious, ambitious, ambitious. And the corner, the boys' quarters where they are, they don't fulfill purpose there. I will ascend. I will ascend. I will ascend. So every time you hear, they are just telling you, you'll be greater, you'll be greater, you'll be greater. Where you are now, are you obedient? And it's a driving force because, listen, ambition is powerful. When a man, a woman is ambitious, they can do all kinds of things. Though. That's how come someone will sit down. And think up, uh, uh, what's it called? What's that money, this thing? Scheme. Ponzi scheme. It's ambition. He wants to be a billionaire. And he sees, you know, this thing works. So he'll just go to studio, pose and take some fine pictures. You know? 
And then starts a story. What does, it, so, I mean, such a person, what's he looking for? He, money. And then those who also want that kind of money will also want joy. So it will be dog eat dog. They capture themselves. Ambition. Until a man is able to say, unless it's God's will for me, I'm not interested. And how do you know God's will? I know God's will because it will come with God's pattern. I don't just want it. I want what God has for me. It's simple. It will give you a peace that passes understanding. But if you're not careful, I mean, imagine a situation, Nigeria. Do you know how many Christians we have in Nigeria? How many are fulfilling purpose? But everyone is ambitious. So we, we, every time we blame the Muslims, they do this. Now, the people that stone Deborah, they have 32 lawyers. Eh? Standing out to defend the killers. Eh? The question you should ask yourself, they killed her sister in Cobra. How many lawyers came to defend her? That's what I was trying to tell us on Sunday. Let nobody imagine that Pastor Ikenna is saying that we shouldn't do anything. I'm saying there are offices that are prepared to handle certain things. But as a Christian, this is the mindset. This is our prayer. This is what the spirit of Jesus will do. But if I were a lawyer, this is what I should do because I'm a custodian. I have a responsibility to practice the law. It's a calling. Are you with me? If I'm in government, this is my assignment. So there are different roles that different people play. If I'm in executive position now, then there's something I should do as a, rep- as a fellow Christian. Just like our brother that wants to run for presidency. The question I'll ask him is, when they stoned the sister in Kubwa, what did you do? When they stoned these people, what did, what did, so which constituency do you want to represent? We see the people representing their constituency. When it touches them, they stand. But when you have an ambition, you're willing to kill anybody to get there. That's a problem. So we want to be big, we want to be rich, we want to be all of that. I will ascend. That's the only thing people hear. Miracle, breakthrough, breakthrough, miracle, breakthrough, miracle. Like I'm robbers. Just breaking, 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 breaking. No place of fellowship. What does the Lord want? You know, we, we read the Bible, people of God, and we see names of 12 apostles. We see names of a few people mentioned here. Are they all the people God is? There are many that when we come to heaven, we see them with multiple crowns that were not mentioned there. They don't have to know your name. Our occupation should be serving him, fulfilling purpose, not to be known. I wish I had time to show you some scripture where Lord Jesus Christ was telling them, don't, don't bother about this. Okay, let me just do that for, for clarity. Matthew 16, where Jesus was asking the disciples, who do men say that I am? And Peter came and answered accurately. And Jesus answered to him in verse 17. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Okay? And I also say to you that your Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Haiti shall not prevail against it. 19 says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that it was Jesus the Christ. Okay? So what has happened here is this. Peter has received revelation from the Father. And he said, you are the Christ. You're not just a prophet. You're not Elijah. You're not John the Baptist. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 21. 21. Let's read 21 together, please. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Wait, wait, just wait a minute. Jesus began to show them. Some translations will say clearly. Maybe put amplified. It, it might be a bit long, but it will help us. I'll be reading from my own Bible. From that time forth, Jesus began clearly to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the high priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised from the dead. You know what happened here? Immediately, Jesus brought this dimension. 22 said, Peter took him by the hand aside and said, far be it from you. God forbid. You will not suffer. Why did he do that? You know why he did that? If Jesus is the son of God, the Messiah, that means he's the David, the one we've been waiting for. Peter had already started seeing himself. Is he chief of staff or chief of staff or minister for petroleum? You know, they were just seeing different things. All of them were just, they they had already left Jesus and he showed them clearly. So when Jesus said they will beat me, he said, no, 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 shut up, shut up. Don't, don't,
don't, don't say that again. God forbid. He was saying God to God forbid. <laughs> to God. It wasn't about Jesus. It was self. It was their desires that had been aroused. It was not protocol. It was not process. It was not the agenda of heaven. Now watch the teaching our Lord Jesus gave from here. First of all, he showed us that a man can either be a receptor of signals from the father or from satan what did he say in the next verse he said what but he turned and said to peter what get behind me satan so he was talking to peter and he was saying get behind me satan so i have to be careful you have to be careful that satan will not possess you you understand it was peter the same peter he said flesh and blood blessed are you the same blessed simon son of jonah the same one he said to the same person, Satan. That's how this work is. That's why the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's not something you joke with, okay? But this is how now he broke it down for us. He said, you are an offense to me for you're not mindful of the things of God, but what? The things of men. And what had happened here is this. The process Jesus needed to pass, they didn't like it. No, that's not, that's not the part. Walk miracles, walk miracles, and then they'll carry you up and make you king. And then we'll set up the cabinet. Simple. This process of dying and being beaten, God forbid. Then, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. This is Christianity, sir. Anything contrary to this, it's like anybody going to a native doctor and he'll ask you, what do you want? He said, I want to be governor. He'll tell you the price. What do you want? Ah, my uh, co-wife. I want her to be barren. I want all her children to fill their jam. Are we not praying against, are people not praying against the enemies? All my enemies fall and die. Anybody, anybody that is this, let him. I mean, if anybody desires to come after me, let him what? Deny himself and take up his cross. It means that the only burdens I carry are his burdens. And you know what? He carries my burdens. I don't carry his burden and I become, you know, overloaded with my own. He say, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I'll do what? I'll give you rest. Say, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus loves you. Hallelujah. I say, Jesus what? Loves you. Jesus loves us. He's the truth. He loves us. So he says, if any man, condition, will come after me, let him deny himself. If you don't deny yourself, you've not registered in primary one. ABC of Christianity. If you have not denied yourself, he said, if any man, if anyone desires to, let him deny himself and take up his cross. 25. He says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. What's he talking about? Now, I don't have the time, but... So when the Bible talks about you, know that it could be any three of you. So what he's saying here is this. If anyone desires to save his body, his interest, he will do what? Lose that interest. But whoever loses his interest for my sake will do what? Will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? 27. He said, for the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels. And what will happen? Read it for me, loud, please. Just, just stop the two lines. And what? No, no, no. And then. And then. Mm -mm, don't go far. And then. And then. For now is him. When he comes, it will be you. Let's rise on our feet. Is somebody getting in there? He said, for the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And then, and then, and then, that is when you can have your own. And then he will reward each according to his works. For now, it is him. For now, it is about him. And I've told us here, there is no judgment in this place, on this side of eternity. What we have are opportunities and all of that. The same way there is no reward here. What we have here are privileges. But the reward is then. And then he will reward. 
Somebody is working for Dangota as a driver. Two of us are working for Dangota as a driver. One person is driving a trailer. The other person is driving Lexus smoker. Which one do you envy? The trailer can buy 50 Lexus. You say this one, his blessing is bigger than mine. He's not blessing his work. He has to be driving all through the night. You, you just drive in the day, go and park and sleep. You look at him and say, ah, this man has been blessed in this Dangote place. So all of us now drive, I see the big truck where they drive. It's not a reward, it's assignment. Praise the Lord. It's assignment, it's privilege, it's responsibility, it's a talent. And then I want you to begin to pray and say to the Lord, I receive grace. I look forward to then. I look forward to the then. Give me wisdom. Give me strength. Let me have a heart that sees then. And then, let me not be short-sighted. Let me not be deceived. Let me not be discouraged. Let me not be frustrated by the experiences of this time. Let me know that there is a reward coming for those who follow your path. God knows what he is doing. been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you.